0: Hey everyone, this is Flippin' Finance. I'm Sam Mr. Moore and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining me today. In today's episode we're going to be covering one of the biggest stories not just in finance but in the news generally and that's going to be the collapse of ftx also we're going to build an economic model it's going to be riveting and a little quick segment on investing is hard quick disclosure none of this is investment advice nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer vallejo financial advisors this is for educational purposes only and with that we can jump into our first segment. So before I go into this, Fabian, I would love to hear if you have heard any of the rumblings about FTX and crypto over the last, call it, week.
1: Yes, it has been everywhere. I've been dying to actually dive into this topic because okay. I, I've been some like a fringe investor into crypto. I think I fell into a lot of the hype and I've just seen the amount of money that I put in just plummet and... I. I recently pulled it out because I was just sick of it, and mm-hmm. I just I, I don't have faith in it anymore. And I think there was a post on Instagram where it was like a it was like a four square thing of like different people who had started these companies that were just yes. like built on nothing. So it was the the Theranos yes. chick, it was the WeWork guy, it was yep. the Uber person, and then it was this FTX person, Bankman or yep. whatever. Um, and, and so it's just like I, I saw that and I said, I, you know, I'm I'm done with it. I'm sick of looking at this and getting upset. I'm taking my money back and I just don't care anymore.
0: I think, I think that's a perfect summary of probably where 95% of people are is. They heard about it. FTX um was everywhere. If you saw it on the Super Bowls, Tom Brady, Steph Curry were were on the ads, and even like Larry David was on that's one right classic. That's right. Yeah, but he was like, eh, no, not for me. Uh but what what is FTX? So FTX is a centralized cryptocurrency exchange. Now this is very simple. I'm sure someone on the internet will get very mad about how I I clarify or, or distill things. But it's it was like the crypto version of like you go onto Fidelity or Schwab and buy a stock. It was the crypto version of that. So open up an account, trade crypto. You could do leverage, which is risky, which is just uh, taking on debt to get more exposure. So FTX was generally the easiest one to use out in, in the market. So that is probably what everybody knows FTX about. And it was started by Sam Bankman-Fried, which is hilarious that we'll get into it. It's like one of the biggest financial frauds, the guy's name is Bankman. Can't, I mean, I think the the simulation's getting boring at this point, it's like, we'll just, we'll just call him Bankman. Seriously,
1: seriously. Yeah.
0: But he also went by SBF. So you probably heard or have heard of those initials before. But before FTX, he started a hedge fund called Alameda Research. And that got a lot of press and news because of some boring arbitrage things. Now, arbitrage is just like a mispricing of of securities. So like on a South Korean exchange, Bitcoin was trading for more and he figured out a way to like convert currencies and take advantage of those mispricings. That's an arbitrage. Now mm-hmm. that's allegedly what he did um, to make a lot of money up front, which is then how he started FTX. So what ends up happening earlier this year, which is also another very boring but very interesting thing in crypto, was called the Terra Luna collapse. Now we don't we don't need to go into what happened there, but pretty much a lot of people in crypto lost money. One of the projects failed, went from a hundred dollars to zero dollars oh, wow. and call it like a week. Yeah, so, so very is that boring, that when, but like, it was-
1: the, the big drop in Bitcoin, like the big, the big one that most people know yeah. is like Bitcoin, right? And you saw that go from like, where it was at $1.50,000 down to like sub 20, right? So that was part yeah. of that the Terra Luna thing. That was the first,
0: yeah. Okay. That was earlier this year so that that was the first big drop. Now a lot of people had had issues and what were going bankrupt and needed uh more capital to keep working. So that's when FTX and the person SBF stepped in and started supplying capital and support to these other companies. And this is pure speculation at this point because no one's 100% sure when FTX started committing alleged fraud, but it was probably around this time. And the theory is that SBF's hedge fund was also caught up in this. And to try and save himself, he was saving other people in the kind of crypto universe. But he did this through a very illegal way, which was taking customer funds from FTX, because you owned both. And the one rule in like banking and finance is you don't get high on your own supply, <laughs> meaning like customer funds, absolute no, no. Those are supposed to be custodied off. You're not supposed to have access to those or transfer those. Huge no, no. So I think everyone- uh, wh- yeah, Why ahead. have
1: I always heard then that like banks are using my money to like invest into other things? Is that just like not true?
0: It's not 100% true. So there, so that that's lending in a way. So that's- um. It It's similar but different, whereas we they are using your customer assets as the capital, but they're not taking your money actually out of that account mm. and going and giving it to somebody else. So Got that's it. how money is created is through like loans. But now imagine if the bank actually took your money out and <laughs> gave it to somebody else. Right. That's what FTX allegedly did. That's bad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, not good. So you so that's different. So like if if everyone in a in a bank went and called and wanted their money back, banks would have issues. And that's why the Federal Reserve is kind of there to to support bank runs. But effectively, that's what happened to FTX too. Some of the rumors got out that they were doing this and some of their uh, holdings weren't worth what they said they were. So effectively a bank run happened on FTX. So that's a great great question. People are pulling their money out, pulling their money out, except uh-oh, they, they had given all their money to Alameda to support the market early this year <laughs> and had subsequently lost it all there too. So like there wasn't any money is, is the theory. Um, so imagine like a bank run and a fraud on top of all this. And in the matter of like three days it became apparent because FTX is like, we're, we're halting redemptions, which is the one thing you can't do because as soon as you halt redemptions, the panic continues to spiral. And that's
1: like and not allowing people to pull their money out. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Like, is that, that's a correct. redemption? Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, now like, let's say, I don't know who you bank with, L- let's keep them nameless, but let's say you heard like, oh dude, I can't get my money out of X bank. Would you like freak out and try and get, try and get your money out? I
1: would want to go get my money out immediately. <laughs>
0: Exactly, exactly. So that's what happened to FTX. They were trying to get their money out. Uh, they paused redemptions, and then a matter of three to four days, they had declared bankruptcy. So it happened incredibly fast, and the valuation of FTX went from roughly $32 billion to zero because it went bankrupt. And they had lost, call it eight to sixteen billion dollars in customer deposits, depending on. I, I don't know what number. There's so many things being thrown around. That's so effectively forty billion dollars just gone. Poof,
1: yeah. And people aren't getting that money back.
0: Not not today. <laughs> not today. Now, like they might go through bankruptcy and, and get some of that back. Um, you, I, I would mark it at a zero at this point. But and like,
1: but like, let's say I had $500,000 invested through FTX in crypto, like I'm not getting gone. that back before the end of the year.
0: No, yeah. no, you're not. No, you're not. And what's, what's really interesting about this, if you're a boring finance person like me, is FTX has declared bankruptcy and now they're being overseen by by someone else. So SBF is has resigned. I'm surprised he's not in jail or whatever. That's because he's in the Bahamas. No idea what's going on with that. But the gentleman who's overseeing FTX's bankruptcy is formerly from Enron. And that's interesting because Enron is another famous corporate fraud case. And if you're if you're a born guy like me, you've probably read The Smartest Guys in the Room, which is a great book and it and it talks about Enron's collapse. But Enron was the seventh biggest company in the world when it right before it declared bank, bankruptcy, and this is what the gentleman had to say. I'm blanking on his name, but he said, "Never in my career have I had have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trust, trustworthy financial information as occurred here." Wow! And uh, he oversaw like one of the biggest bankruptcies in, in public securities. So. That's what's going on that's uh that's that's the tea on the news and the, probably the biggest story that will be this year uh and going on for the for the next foreseeable months
1: but it, it it's kind of like what's interesting when I saw this and like as I'm hearing more information about this, it's kind of par for the course for like what's been going on if like twenty twenty and beyond right there's just like and maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic, but like there's just this um you know, increase in in sh- not shell companies, but just like a house of cards, right? And people are like quickly building up companies that really aren't built on a solid foundation. They just see a market opportunity and have like taken advantage of people. And there's really not a lot there, you know?
0: So I th- I think it's two things. So one, we had COVID and the big amount of monetary and fiscal stimulus. So you had rates at zero. So whenever you have such a, frothy capital market situation like we did in 20 and 21, you're going to see people take insane risks. Now, I think Mm -hmm. there was a part where SBF and FTX were not frauds and somewhere along the way they turned into that because of the speculation, because of the hype, because of the ego, which is such an old human story. And they weren't the only ones. I mean, there were a bunch of other people speculating and trying to create those things that eventually what happens is the the Fed starts raising rates and speculation starts coming back. And then you you realize that like you're you're swimming in the ocean with all these people, then the tide goes out, and then you realize that a couple people were swimming without pants, is the old saying.
1: And so, so uh, before we move on, I'll just ask you this. So, like what what happens next, right? What happens to companies like where I had my money invested in, which was Coinbase, right? So, sure. what happens to places like that? Do do people flock there to like feel more secure? Or do people leave? You know, they do they flee because they're afraid that something similar to what happened to FDX will happen there as well.
0: Well, that, that that's actually a fantastic point because that will be what happens. It's happening right now, and will probably continue to unravel. Is what you said at the top is. Completely right. Like I think the trust is is really gone at, at this point in this certain market and the other large currencies and players, not currencies, uh, exchanges in this area area will have to weather this storm. So there's the bigger player Binance is actually having a little bit of issues. There's another one called Genesis is having issues. And when I say issues, like they're, they're halting redemptions. Mm and coinbase has been good so far i haven't seen anything doom scrolling twitter that would say otherwise but yeah you're gonna have a big stress test and i would be not surprised if a lot of the players don't make it out of it and i think coinbase is probably the biggest strongest player in it but like you see it's publicly traded it's it's down a very large amount and that it has to go through its own stress test to make it through so great question so once you drop that knowledge at the Thanksgiving dinner table, we're really gonna turn it up again because we're gonna walk through how to create your own S&P 500 target. Now the S&P 500, for those that don't know, is the 500 largest US stocks that are publicly traded. Now, technically it's 505 stocks, it's 500 companies. So you can drop that knowledge too because they're split <laughs> control companies. So you Does not have that. as
1: nice of a ring to it? The S&P Yeah, well, you could
0: be at the dinner table and be like, well, how many stocks are in the S&P 500? Someone's like, well, obviously it's 500. Right. Yeah, you know, um, it's actually more than that. Boom. So there we go. So what people really want to know is like, what's, what's kind of a model? Really, it's just a set of variables that have a specific relationship with each other. So you put in your inputs, you have the specific relationship, and then the model spits out its output. So... It doesn't really have to be more complicated than that. I think people throw around like model and other things like that. It's just, it's pretty much just a formula in a way. So, building our SP 500 2023 target. So, if you ever turn on CNBC or any of the financial news, you might see my target for the SP 500 is uh, 4,100. And, you know, that's a 12% return and everything like that. And you're like, how did that person do that? It's actually really not that hard. It just like once again, like with finance, people make things really complicated to sound fancy and charge high fees. It's, it's really not that complicated. So we're going to pull back. How does somebody do that? First thing you do is you start with earnings. So that is not too hard to do. You can see earnings of all these companies. They just came out with the third quarter. And what you do is, is you take the total amount of earnings and you divide it by sh- the amount of shares out there. That gives you something called earnings per share, or EPS. So, the EPS for Q3 is fifty-five dollars. So we have fifty-five dollars per share based on the real earnings that we saw out of Q3. So that's step one. Where and are we this currently? is across
1: all five hundred and five companies in the S and P five hundred, or is this? Are we talking one? Five hundred companies,
0: five hundred five stocks.
1: Oh right, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they come out with the earnings, and then you divide it all, and you get like a really clean. Um, output of where earnings are. So we know where that is as of right now. So $55 for Q3 and for a full year, that would be 220. So 55 times four. And to back into, so that that's where earnings are. And then you look at where the S&P 500 currently is. So right now it is at 3,784. So you have 220 EPS earnings, and then you've got the current price level of 3,784. How you get there is a price to earnings multiple. So the market takes the earnings, multiplies it, okay, multiple, and then you get the target. So if you divide the S&P 500, by the earnings eps so 3784 divided by 220 that gives you a price to earnings so you got the price up above earnings below multiple of 17.2 so whenever someone says you have a pe multiple pe ratio pe whatever that's what they're talking about it's just the s&p 500 price divided by earnings so whenever people throw it out there, it sounds really complicated and cool, PE ratio. This is literally what they're doing. It's really not that hard. And the historical average, so if you go back in history and you look at the 20 year, 10 year of where that price multiple is, it's around 16. So if you ever see someone on TV and just being like, this is really overvalued, that's what they're talking about is based on historical averages, something, they're looking at the where the current price is, where the earnings are, and they're just making a guess at that it's it's overvalued, or not. Have I rambled too much?
1: I think I think I'm following. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, like, you'll have like a high growth company like Amazon. People are willing to pay a higher multiple for their earnings, so that's how you get like a higher valuation on a company. So, uh, Amazon, I think, is around thirty times. Uh, earnings, PE ratio. So you take Amazon's earnings times the multiple, that's how you get the price. Whereas Apple, fantastic company, not growing as fast, but still well-liked, might have a, a PE multiple of like 20. So that's how these things kind of come together. And as soon as you, like, you pull it apart, it, it doesn't become as complicated as like that talking head mm-hmm. is, is yelling on there. So what we're going to try and do is build our own Price target for 2023. So we're just going to start with where EPS is today, 220. So that's step one, and then we're just going to build out like multiple scenarios of of what could happen next year. So you can make up your own in in a way and and figure it out. If you're if you're really excited, you could have like a really positive outlook, and then another scenario, you could have like maybe you're like feeling really bummed after you finish all your turkey, and you're like next year is going to suck. Trip defense came in exactly yeah so what i did was like let's just say next year is normal historical average so earnings normally grow around on average 10% per year now it doesn't happen every year there's the old joke that on average if you put your your head in the oven and your feet in the freezer on average you'll feel fine but that's not really how the market works it usually ebbs and flows between those two but we're going to put that in there we'll say that i'll have a 25% chance of happening and then let's just say you know, what, I think things are going to be great next year. You know, I'm am a huge fan of of what's going on right now. I think we can only go up. Let's just say we have a higher earnings and higher multiple and we'll call that we'll give that a 15% chance. There. And then you could say I think the world's going to end. I think there's a recession, 25% chance it happens. I think the PE ratio is going to be 13 and I think earnings will will go down by 30%. So you take those three scenarios, you, you average them out, and that gives you your target. So it's a very easy thing to do in that regard. You just create your two, your two, three, four different scenarios, average them out, and that gives you a price target. In this scenario, my price target comes out to 3942 between those, and that's just about a 4% gain from, from where we are now. So not too good, not
1: too bad. Absolute, slow and not- steady
0: slow and steady, you know? So, but like, once again, like Fabian, if you want to create your own, you're like, this is going to be a fantastic year. I think the probability is 40%. And you know what? I think the earnings per share is going to be higher. You can like create your own little scenario. But when you're sitting at Thanksgiving dinner table, you just put on your little monocle right there, your little mustache monocle, you twist your mustache and you go, well, yeah, there you go. With a, a current EPS of 220 and a PE ratio of 17 times, the, my view is from a 40% chance that things are more positive thinking are thinking, and we have a 270 EPS with a ratio of 20, giving us a price target of 4,200 and a gain of roughly 12% from where we currently are. And now you sound like a Goldman Sachs economist, and you know what? you'll probably be just as right as them because they have no idea either. <laughs>
1: either do I. Dude, if somebody said that at my Thanksgiving dinner, I'd slap them with a turkey leg.
0: <laughs> well, good thing I'm not invited to your Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> um, so my question on this is, okay, so we're building out this model, great to know to have like forecasting into the future, what's mm-hmm. 2023 gonna look like. Am I making investment decisions based on these models that I'm creating? Right, So am I saying, let me create these models, And based on some of this stuff, I'm going to make a decision on to whether or not I'm going to give X, you know, whoever, more money to invest right now.
0: Like sure, is that the purpose sure. of
1: this model? or is this just for fun? I, I would
0: say this is just for fun because this is a complete guess. And if we're long- term investing, the next six, nine, twelve months, we should probably be, agnostic about, like anything and everything can happen. Mm, mm
1: -hmm. We
0: You could have a, everyone's freaking out about a recession in 23. I personally have have no idea. To me, it's where do you need money? Is this money for the long term? If it is, I wouldn't really care about 2023 earnings. You know, like I would just look more at the historical averages. Earnings are going to grow at 10%. That's higher than bond rates right now around five percent if I want my money to grow more over the next 10 years, I'd probably put it in stocks that's not guaranteed if I'm scared I need I need uh, income over the next year I have a house payment or something else to make in the future I would not put that in stocks in a way and that comes down to the boring asset allocation so stock uh, split between stocks bonds and like putting that mix together is more important than next year's earnings in my mm. opinion. Got so that's it. a great question. And then one segment that I really like is investing is really hard. And I mean this kind of like flippantly, whereas like if you're picking individual stocks, it can be an incredibly hard thing to do. And there's a much easier way to invest, but people still like investing in individual stocks. So it's it's an entertaining thing to think about. But Fabian, what have you heard about Disney and Disney World lately?
1: Ooh, um. So <laughs> the only thing that I've heard about Disney and Disney World is that Cake Bake Shop is opening up there.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So Cake Bake's opening there. It's probably positive, right? And what I've heard, so I've uh, I've coworkers that have been there. It's it's crowded. You're paying through the nose. The parks are full. Disney Plus streaming is also going on. You you you'd sit back and be like, wow, like. Disney great company. things must be going really well. I'm, you don't hear anything but like good news about Disney generally, right? The stock must be doing really well, what you think, right?
1: Based on those pieces of information that you've given me, I would assume that they're crushing it right now.
0: Yeah, they're not. So <laughs> the stock is almost at its covid low from twenty twenty. so, Back in 2020 when the COVID crashed, Disney stock got down to below $90 per share. And today it's sitting at $92. Wow. So it is down 54% from the all time highs. So this just goes back to, I think investing in individual stocks is incredibly hard. It's 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 a very annoying thing to be doing. And just because uh, there's a great company doesn't mean it's a great stock. And there's so many other factors besides like going there, seeing the parks full. Disney Plus seems to be doing well. Doesn't mean the stock is going to be killing either. So cake bake though, that could turn things around.
1: That's If we're making predictions on this show for 2023, I'm telling you right now, the addition of Cake Bake Shop, an Indianapolis-based company, is going to make a huge... (laughs) Listen, I don't work for anybody, so I have to give any type of- uh, I would just say I would not buy Disney stock
0: based on this-, this That's not what I'm saying. Cake I'm saying Cake Bake
1: Shop <laughs> is going to be transformational.
0: Never know. Never know though. Maybe they get like some crypto involved. You know, maybe it really starts going- Ooh, they me.
1: have their own cake coin. Or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you should, you should, you should let them know they're missing out on, yeah. on an opportunity. They
1: need some kick coin. You know, I do yeah. want to talk about one thing real quick since we are talking sure. about investing, investing being hard. Who and, and this has been talked about, but it's it's been all over the news. But who would have known that investing in Taylor Swift tickets would have been the best thing that you could have done yeah. in 2022? What wasn't like
0: I, I saw uh, once again doom scrolling Twitter and tickets were going for like 90 grand. Yes. Before did did Ticketmaster take all that down? So th- I mean
1: Ticketmaster can't take them down, right? Those people have tickets that they're reselling on verified huh. like reseller websites such as StubHub Ticketmaster themselves. You can resell tickets there. And that's, I mean, capitalism at its finest, right? Supply and demand. You've got something that people cannot get. You're going to charge whatever you want. And if people can afford to do it, they're going to buy it, right? I i, I see the same thing happen in bourbon, which I follow all the time. Uh, there's like a very limited supply of the, the stuff that people really want. Mm-hmm. And they charge astronomical rates.
0: Um, so what I'm hearing is we need to invest in Taylor Swift somehow.
1: Yes. And this has been a topic that's been discussed by this other podcast that i listened to they just talked about this like and this doesn't exist but investing in people as if they were stocks mm-hmm. right and had you bought in early on taylor swift you'd be making out like a bandit right now
0: well there's like there's a small thing for college and i'm going to butcher it where they they actually do that so instead of taking out a loan they take out like a quote unquote equity interest in your earnings for the first 10 years so they get like 10% of, of your earnings for the first 10 years instead of a instead of loan. And the theory is like the five people that kill it out of your class will subsidize the rest of the class. Interesting. So, yeah. That
1: sounds like some yeah. black market stuff.
0: Purdue looked into it. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. My alma
1: mater. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: So that's why I know just this local thing. So that that's it for today, I think. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. And Fabian, do you have any other parting questions no eat some
1: turkey tell the people that you're with you love them that's about it
0: drop some knowledge on your s&p 500 price target
1: that's right and tell them (laughs) that taylor Taylor swift tickets are going for 90k yeah thanks bye